Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, August 17th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from Studio Snubs, I'm Shannon Morse. Yes, indeed. Also with us, our producer, Roger Chang. How are you, sir? It's I'm good. Good. We're going to get a, uh, a look at what happened at DEF CON, Shannon. Uh, what happened at DEF CON? We'll ask you that <laughs> in a little bit. Don't answer yet. Okay, Unless I you have like a, a little teaser. Uh, hotel rooms, fun times. Ooh, stick mm. around, folks. <laughs> Let's Good start. That could a, go multiple ways. Yeah, I know. Let's start <laughs> with, we're probably going to disappoint you, but stick around. <laughs> Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Google updated its help pages to clarify what location info is still stored after users turn off location tracking. We've obviously been following the story this week. Previously, the page said, with location history off, the places you go are no longer stored. Now it says, this setting does not affect other location services on your device, like Google Location Services and Find My Device. Some location data may be saved as part of your activity on other services like Search and Maps. The Chicago Tribune reports Google plans to open its first flagship retail store between 845 and 853 West Randolph Street in the Fulton Market area directly across from the new Nobu Hotel. The store will be two blocks away from Google's Chicago offices. Yay. Ah, well, Google's not saying for sure, but that could be pretty cool. NVIDIA reported revenue from data center chips rose thir- I'm sorry, 80, 83% last quarter. Net income rose 89%. Revenue rose 40%. It beat analyst expectations. All good news, right? Well, no. NVIDIA fell short in its expected sales of cryptocurrency-related chips and, even more disappointing to investors, called such sales immaterial for the second half of the year. They're like, crypto folks are not buying their chips from us in great numbers anymore. So good news if you're shopping for a video card, I guess. As a result, NVIDIA projects Q3 revenue of $3.25 billion. Analysts had hoped they would project $3.34 billion, so they're a little under there. 
A lot of Google news today. Google announced it's working with Danish hearing aid maker GN Hearing on the audio streaming for hearing aids spec for Android. The power-efficient protocol promises high-quality and low-latency connectivity for Bluetooth hearing aids on Android without needing an intermediary device. ReSound Lynx Quattro and Belltone Amaze will be the first hearing aids to receive direct streaming support in a future update. Yeah, this is becoming common. iOS has this. Uh, now Android's going to make it a whole lot easier uh, to have it, so that's really cool. All right, let's talk about more Google. Okay, we, uh, this <laughs> might be the last Google, but it's an interesting Google. Tell us, Shannon. <laughs> more Googs. Nikkei has supply chain sources who tell it Google plans to launch a smart speaker with a display in competition with the Amazon Echo Show. The sources say Google wants to have them ready by the holidays. Google introduced its smart display platform in January with third parties like Lenovo making devices that use it. Uh, so previously, Lenovo did uh, show off this Lenovo display. I believe it's called the Lenovo Show. I could be incorrect on that. But I did get to review it, and I really actually liked it a lot. Ever since I saw it at CES and finally got hands-on, it was really cool. So I'm excited to see what Google's going to do in-house as well. Well, Tom, you've got an Echo Show. Yeah. um, And I know that if you compare the Echo Show sales to the straight-up Echo, they're, I mean quite low actually i'm not sure it's a brand new product line so it's hard to tell much from that when you have like echo dot echo home and you know all these other versions of it out there that are also well established and been around for a while but but the the usefulness i get out of it has made it so it feels like a mature product category because i use it every day i have it in the kitchen uh i see it when i'm making my coffee in the morning i see it when i'm washing the dishes uh it has some interesting stuff uh like news bits and weather stuff on there it tells me the score of the cardinals game so i get it but i'm not sure everyone else gets it it is interesting shannon that you you like the lenovo one too because i don't think it's an yeah. amazon specific thing that i like about it no, I just like the uh, intuitiveness of it. The fact that it's already plugged into my Google account, and it is called the Lenovo Spark Display. I checked on that, so I could give you the correct title Thank on you. that. Uh, but it, it, it's a really nice, fluid experience with their GUI and everything. So given that Lenovo was able to to make this experience so welcoming with Google, I think that you know Google in-house would be able to do something very similar, if not better. And Sarah, to your point, it feels a little bit like one of those things that we see so often in technology where... You kind of don't get it until you use it, which might make it hard to sell. Sure. Yeah, I mean, remember the days of radio where they were like, why do you need you know, pictures to tell a story? But then you're like, oh, actually, that works out really well. Uh, I think I, I spend so much time. I use a Sonos, but you know, I, I'm hooked into Amazon's assistant. I spend so much time asking things. There are lots of answers that, yes, audibly, I'm getting the answer that I want. But yeah, for weather or something innocuous like just having a little visual uh, companion to that would be nice sitting right next to me edgar alvarez at engadget has a story up to friday about something called snapchat dysmorphia described by doctors as a form of body dysmorphia disorder that's when you perceive your body as having problems that most others don't see back in february the independent ran a story about more people starting to ask cosmetic doctors to make them look in real life like they do in filters Instagram stories, Snapchat, those kind of filters. The American Academy of Facial, Plastic, and Reconstructive Surgery says 55% of surgeons now report seeing patients who wanted a procedure to make them look better in selfies. That's up 13% from 2016. Filtered photos 
kind of have replaced celebrity photos. Instead of coming in and saying, hey, I want to look like Farrah Fawcett, you come in and say, hey, I want to look like me with this Farrah Fawcett filter. And then the surgeon says, I'm too young. Who's Farrah Fawcett? I don't understand. Uh, Doctors now need to decide if the request is reasonable, unreasonable, but understandable. In other words, "Eh, you can't really do that, but I get why you're asking. Or possibly a symptom of a dysmorphia disorder that would need a referral for treatment. This is near and dear to me, um, partly because I I don't feel like I have snapjack dysmorphia, but I know what, you know, a filter makes your skin look better, your eyes are brighter, maybe you look younger, you're cuter, you're thinner, all Takes of these things. Wrinkles, all that, yeah. It's all, it's, a, it's fun in games, right? But I mean, I'm guilty of having avatars on various networks where I'm like, that's actually like the cuter version of me and like it's like something that I screenshotted from Snapchat. Well, your so, column this week has little uh, flames coming out of your brain, which doesn't that was really a Snapchat, happen. That was reality. a Snapchat filter yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. That didn't actually happen, Tom. But but I do think that, you know, like like any sort of body image issue type thing, it's concerning that somebody would come to a doctor and say, I want to look more like that fake version of myself that actually doesn't exist because – I don't know. That's where you're getting into some sort of weird territory, right? If you cannot lose weight and you want to look thinner and a filter makes you look thinner, I mean, how, you know, where, where do you go from there? So I do see that depending on the person, this can be a little problematic. I had a lot of those kind of um, feelings about my own body when I was growing up. Um, I don't know, since I turned like 30 around that point, I kind of grew out of it. And I also figured out how to do my own makeup. And that definitely helped with those uh, self-confidence issues. Uh, But it is a serious problem when when you have especially younger folks going into doctors and asking them to to make them look like filters because we, we put on such a completely different life online on social media that has nothing to do with what really happens uh, with all the negativity and all the positivity that's in your life. We just show like 50% of our life online. Uh, so it's it's concerning to hear that people are bringing what they perceive as everybody's real lives on social media into the real world and asking doctors to, to change them you know, physically to kind of match what everybody else is seeing on social media. Now, in all of this, uh, all of this true, uh, Karen North, a clinical professor of communications at USC Annenberg, uh, who is also an expert on social media and psychology, says that while they've helped amplify people's body dysmorphic or disorders, and this is from the Engadget article I mentioned earlier, it's unreasonable to hold them responsible when someone wants to have surgery. Just because you enjoy putting filters on your selfie doesn't mean you suffer from dysmorphia. Uh, she did acknowledge, however, that these features can act as a trigger. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not true. Don't worry if like, oh, wait, I use filters. Um, do I have a problem? Not necessarily. Just using filters or even saying like, gosh, I, I, I wish I could look kind of like this. I think the difference is saying kind of like this and understanding like this is not a realistic representation, but what can we do versus you need to make me into this, right? Uh, That becomes an entirely different thing. It's sort of the modern version of that woman on the cover of Vogue magazine is so perfect and beautiful. I wish I looked more like that. And like people who are like, well, I know how Photoshop works. I mean, nobody looks like that, right? The more we know about what, you know, what a filter looks like versus reality and, you know, how you can manipulate images and video and, and it doesn't necessarily make us all super confident out of the gate. But I think that's probably the first step is not comparing yourself to something that you know for sure is not real in the first place. Yeah. 
Do you think that we should remove filters altogether? No. <laughs> I'm a monster, Shannon. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm playing devil's advocate. No, no, it's a fair question. It's a, it's a question that needs to be asked. I, I also tend to think, no, that's not the answer. In fact, let me see if I can find this other quote. Uh, this is from... Is this from the same? Yeah, this is same from Karen North at Annenberg, who says, we teach children how to cross the street. We teach people how to drive before they get a license. Social media is another part of our world that needs to be learned. We need to teach Mm -hmm. people that the images they see on social media are not necessarily legitimate or authentic images of the people in your life. Don't compare your daily life to the image that other people post that's manipulated for the sake of social media. Well, and that also kind of ties into the whole, you know, there have been studies on how depressed people are, you know, the more they hang out on social media, yeah. because we all feel like my life isn't as cool as, you know, Tom and Eileen are going everywhere and, you know, having a great time. And you're like, well, but I didn't post that Instagram photo of how tired I was when I got home and <laughs> didn't want to unpack. And, you know, That's the what I'm going to start doing it's just posting myself at the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> going back to reality. Uh, also going to DeepMind, who has been working with its fellow alphabet company, Google, to use neural networks to directly control data center cooling. A snapshot of a de- data center's cooling is collected from sensors every five minutes and then fed into the deep neural network, which predicts the best actions to minimize energy consumption within safety constraints. It's then sent to a local control system that separately verifies the changes Again, for safety. Operators can retake control at any time as well. The new system supposedly would save 30% energy on average in Google data centers where it operates. No, it does. Not supposedly. Like based on the tests, they're actually seeing 30% uh, energy uh, savings right now. So I think that's, that's an important distinction there. But uh, very cool what they're doing uh, with the different. Fa- Facebook has its own like open source uh, energy conservation methods that involve wind. Uh, Microsoft is experimenting with the data centers that are underwater for cooling. Uh, and, and then DeepMind uh, doing the AI stuff. I know I said no more Google, but this is DeepMind. It's just another alphabet company. Not Okay, they're working on the Google data centers. Well, you know, I'm always curious about the security of things like this. And they mentioned that it's sent to a local control system and operators can take control at any time, which is excellent. It's great that you have those manual overrides in place. But I also wonder how secure they are and if there's any way to turn off the neural networking of this. Yeah, there is a way to turn off the neural networking. That There is an override. Uh, that is one thing they specifically address in their blog post about this. The general security of it, I, I'm sure what they're saying is, the data center better be secure. And if the data center itself is secure, then this should be secure. But always a good question. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Indonesia's Gojek founder and CEO, Nadia Makarim, told Reuters the company is close to profitability in all segments except transportation. The company started as a ride-hailing app, but has added features like payments and food, grocery and massage ordering, among other things, and has its own venture capital investment arm. It plans to expand ride-hailing into Vietnam, Singapore, Thailand, and the Philippines in order to compete with Grab, which bought out Uber's Southeast Asia business. Gojek is valued at a billion dollars. Wow, that's a lot. This one caught my eye because, you know, I've been trying to talk a lot about the fact that outside of the United States, messaging apps, particularly as platforms where they're providing payments and shopping and other things are becoming the norm. Uh, This is one that isn't a messaging app. It started as a ride hailing app and they started adding other things to it to the point where those other things are 
pretty close to being profitable while the ride hailing aspect of the business still has a ways to go. So I, I, I think it's a trend that if you live in the United States like we do, you probably don't realize is as strong as it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it's valued at a billion dollars, and again, that's on paper, but, but the transportation aspect is the only place that the company isn't making money, and it's making money in all these other places. I know that Grab has competition already, but there's probably, yeah, there's probably enough data where uh, Gojek is like, okay, let's double down on the transportation stuff. So at least we're, you know, number two in some of these markets where we're operating. But at the same time, it's almost like, it almost sounds more like WeChat where it's a, 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 a central app where you can get a lot of things done and maybe transportation is not their bread and butter going well, yeah. forward. It might not, it might not be. And I, I think, that's what's so interesting about them expanding outside of Indonesia to say, like, look, Uber just gave up Southeast Asia to grab. So there's room for a competitor there. Let's be that competitor because, you know, what we bring is all this other stuff uh, that grab. Grab has a lot of this stuff, too. But maybe Gojek thinks, you know, they're better at it. U.S. Telecom CEO Jonathan Spalter and NTCA CEO Shirley Bloomfield wrote an opinion piece in the Topeka Capital Journal this week stating that like electricity, Broadband is essential to every American. Now, these are lobbyist organization representatives for the telecom industry. U.S. Telecom in particular represents telcos, including AT&T. Last November, in regards to FCC regulation, AT&T wrote about the net neutrality debates, utility regulation over broadband can only inhibit incentives for network investment. And in addition to that, telcos receive a tax break in exchange for a promised increase in investment. So it's a little interesting to see their lobbyist representative saying that uh, broadband's kind of like electricity, which is exactly the opposite of what AT&T was arguing last fall. Back to this week's op-ed, Spalter and Bloomfield argued that all that promised private investment that AT&T and others have been saying only works well in populous areas – Adding, and this is a quote from the op-ed, there are similarities between networks and communications, electric, power, roads, natural gas distribution, water distribution, and sewer networks. By the way, those are all common carriers except for Internet. By the very nature of network economics, each industry exhibits economies of density and each reaches a point at which unsubsidized provision of service in low-density areas. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. 
Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. ...is not viable. So they're arguing that internet in rural areas should be treated like a common carrier. I mean, they're making the analogy. They don't use those words. Don't forget, telcos receive $1.5 billion in subsidies a year from the FCC for internet already. Uh, and AT&T in particular gets $428 million a year to bring 10 megabit per second service to rural areas. 10 megabits, not that much these days. So it stuck out to John Brodkin at Ars Technica and several others that the telephone industry, the telco industry, now that it has successfully fended off common carrier regulation, would like to be treated like a common carrier at places and get some government money for it. <laughs> Sorry. Shannon, you want to take this one? <laughs> I just get super frustrated with um, these these opinion pieces, these op-eds, because they... they uh, <laughs> it's, it's irritating to me coming from living in a rural community when I was, when I was younger and knowing how slow a lot of those rural um, internet uh, availability was and knowing that we were also not uh, privy to a lot of the, the foundations of being able to get jobs and stuff like we are in, in industrial areas like we are you know here in the Bay Area. So it's very irritating to see that they think like, oh, it's fine, and we don't need to work with those smaller rural areas like we do with you know larger communities like this one. Yeah, I mean, taking, taking aside the connection speeds for a second, I, I always liken this to, because when I think about, oh, well, when I was a kid, I didn't have cable, but it's like, meh, but that was sort of entertainment coming at me, right? I think of the internet, whether it's broadband or dial-up or anything, as access to a library. Education. If, if, yeah, if people and, don't have the library and, and other people do, well, you we've got an issue. Paying your bills, signing your yep. documents, like all of it. Everything yes. is it, done on the internet. Right. Um, it's it's the data center that everyone should be able to access, and of course, speeds vary. And the companies but, are basically saying we can make a profit in a city. Don't regulate us there. But out in the rural areas, we can't make enough money. Uh, so we need you to give us money to roll out there. And Brodkin points out, and he does a superb job covering this space, uh, that there are plenty of municipal uh, mo- movements that could be the equivalent of the, ele- the old electric co-ops that, that rolled out rural electricity, like Southwest Electric in, in the, Illinois, that would be the solution if the telcos weren't fighting those and trying to get laws passed preventing municipalities and counties from rolling out their own internet service. So right. uh, there's there's definitely a, lo- a bit of hypocrisy going on here. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right, Shannon, uh, you had a, a week because uh, you had to go to the, the whole DEF CON black hat uh, jamboree out there in Las Vegas. Uh, tell us a little bit about what happened out there. I like that you call it a jamboree. <laughs> Banjos, parades. <laughs> a little hacking. Luckily, 
Luckily, it's great that this year a lot of press was out there, like right headfirst, and they were really diving into a lot of the the news that was circling. So I know you've already covered things like the voting machine hacking village, uh, which was incredible, and they found some awesome vulnerabilities. Uh, but the, there was also a couple of other stories that hit, but um, I haven't seen anybody like who was there firsthand discuss it um, in a journalistic aspect. So, for example, this was a big topic among. G- the hotel goers, the people that were staying on Caesar's property, which was where DEF CON was based this year, uh, which is the biggest hacker conference that happens every year in the US. Uh, so Caesar's properties, as of last year in October, you know, something horrible happened in Las Vegas, which I don't necessarily want to talk about it because sure. it's depressing. But they decided to start these wellness checks where even if you have a do not disturb sign on your front door, uh, they will still go into your room just to perform this wellness check to make sure there's no suspicious activity going on every 24 hours. And then they will supposedly type in a code into your phone that tells the front desk that everything has been checked out and this room is good to go. And then they move on to the next one. So, so uh, if I may, if, if I'm understanding this right, if you have a housekeeping coming every day, this would, wouldn't happen because somebody's right. been seeing your room. It's when exactly. you put do not disturb on the door and said, stay away housekeeping for more than 24 hours, right. which I imagine at a convention full of hackers, there might be more <laughs> than the usual number that do that. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people put the D&D things on their front door, do not disturb, uh, specifically because we like to protect our electronics. If you're a vendor, you want to protect, you know, whatever money is coming in. If you are running the conference and you know, handing out badges, you need to put your, your bank money in someplace. Or if you're gambling, you know, you need to put your money away somewhere. And a problem with a hacker con is that everybody understands and knows that there is vulnerabilities that come with hotels. So there are going to be ways that people can get into your hotel room via social engineering, via copying hotel room keys, because those are, I believe they use RFID there, uh, via, they could pretend to be a security guard and step into the room. There's a lot of different ways that people can get in. Um, There's under the door little wire things that can open the door ledge for you, the door handle, and Mm. push the door open. So there's a lot of different ways that people can get into a hotel room. And having security guards come to the rooms unannounced, it's not announced in any way, but they supposedly will knock on the front door and say, hey, I'm security coming in for a wellness check and then enter the room. Unfortunately, a lot of times this happened uh, where people suspected that they were rifling through things. A couple of people tweeted photos and they said, hey, my stuff's not in the same place I left it at. I have a do not disturb thing on the front door. Security must have been in my room and rifled through my stuff. A few people had soldering irons and lockpicks confiscated, even though Nevada law does not state that lockpicks lock are illegal. They are totally fine in the state of Nevada. So DEFCON even tweeted out, if anybody had had any issues with people confiscating their soldering irons, please contact us. Uh, not to mention, even worse, was a view about safety Uh, three different women that I know personally had their rooms checked while they were in the room. One was on the toilet. Another one was changing. She was, yeah, she was like halfway dressed. And another woman, uh, she runs a company called Luda Security, Katie Masaurus, who ended up on the phone with the front desk trying to verify the credentials of these security men that were coming into her room. So 
it ended up creating a lot of issues, not just for Caesars properties, but also for DEF CON. According to Caesars, DEF CON did receive uh, a briefing on this policy before the convention started. But according to the security uh, of DEF CON, they say otherwise, stating that they had never heard about it, or at least it didn't get down into the pipeline. Uh, so even the head of security for DEF CON said that he was going to choose to resign because of this security mm, wow. issue with a lot of hackers. Um, now, it is worth noting that these same kind of policies do play into place, not just at uh, Caesars properties, but also places like Disneyland. They have the mm. same exact one. There's a disclaimer on the do not disturb signs that you hang tag or put on the door. So it's not just these properties that have decided to implement these policies. But when you get a bunch of hackers that go into a hotel expecting some sense of privacy for their electronics and even women that are traveling alone, uh, then it becomes a concern because we end up talking about it. I, I assume if you had the deadbolt thrown, they couldn't come in if you were inside the room, but you'd have to be inside the room and you'd have to have remembered to do that. Right, exactly. Um, but but that would be your only defense against this. If you're not in the room, uh, there's there's nothing going to stop them from coming in if that's yeah. the policy. And it's it's in not even in minuscule, it's another aspect of this, you know, security versus privacy debate that we've been having around technology for a long time. Yeah, exactly. I, I had one friend who was taking a nap and she had the deadbolt on her door and uh, security tried to enter. And all she heard was a loud bang that hit the deadbolt and she ran out of her bed and ran to the front door and by that time they were gone oh wow uh, so it's it's very disconcerting yeah. especially if you're a woman traveling alone it's a you know it's a safety issue because uh, again somebody could social engineer their way into your room by saying that they are a security guard having a patch sewn onto the side of their arm yeah. Caesars properly properties could easily implement a verification protocol that guests know of, you know, put a sign on the door, put it, put something in the room that tells you if, if security needs to check your room, uh, you can check the verification with the front desk by calling this number, or you can check their verification with an ID, a very specific ID, but there needs to be some kind of implementation in place. And right now there is none. Yeah, the idea of putting a, you know, I, I always do that little extra padlock when I'm traveling alone or even when I'm not, because, yeah, again, as a woman, I'm, I I want to be safe. If that somehow flagged me, you know, like, hmm, we couldn't perform a wellness check. Now she's a little suspicious. I mean, yeah. that's where the problem comes in, yeah. right? Like, maybe I'm doing something suspicious. Maybe I'm not. But if I'm not... <laughs> yeah, you know, don't yeah, don't bother me when well, I'm, you know, barely yeah. dressed or feeling vulnerable. In the right? history of Las Vegas, uh, <laughs> millions, I will guess, millions of people reasonably have done this. Uh, and there's been one incident. So now it's a matter of saying, well, what what is the right balance to try to prevent that from happening again? Right. Yeah. And just tell me not to bring my soldering iron so it doesn't get confiscated. <laughs> no, you should guys. be able to bring your soldering iron. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Especially to a con. Well, CES, you're going to need soldering irons too, for goodness sake. Yeah. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Soldering stories are few and far between, but they do show up. <laughs> Submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Hang out with us there, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let me tell you, folks, we get the best emails here. 
Which one we do we have today? Sure. Do. <laughs> this one comes from Vivek. Uh, following up on our pricey glass thermostat story yesterday, we were all sort of like, "Wow!" By the way, kind of expensive. Vi- Vivek, uh, not in this email, uh, gently corrected me. <laughs> it was I said Johnson to Johnson yesterday, which is the people who make like baby oil and a bunch of other things. <laughs> uh, this is Johnson Control did the glass thermostat. I feel I had to get that off my chest. Okay, carry on. All right. Uh, Vivek says, back to the thermostat and the price. He said, I'm not, I'm not saying the price is justified, but consider you don't have a smart speaker and then you're also uh, planning to buy a thermostat with whatever smart speaker that is. So a Nest thermostat ver- with an Echo or a Google Home Mini or whatever, it's going to cost you around 250 bucks. But it has a lot more sensors, this uh, glass thermostat, compared with other smart thermostats to report total volatile organic compounds, or TBOC, and equivalent carbon dioxide, humidity. It has an aux output to control humidifiers or dehumidifiers, ventilators, energy recovery ventilators, heat recovery ventilators. Adding all this up, maybe another 30 bucks, given all these features should actually matter to the consumer. So your total now is about 280 bucks. And then you got another 40 bucks for the amazing aesthetics that it will add to the wall where it's installed. As we said, it is a very pretty <laughs> device for sure. It's true. It's so, true. Yeah. No, I think, but, but, yeah. I think this is a fair assessment of, yes, it's more expensive, but you also get more. So your mileage may vary whether it's worth paying the tax for, but it's, it's not just a more expensive version of the, of the Echo B or the Nest. Right. If you if you don't care about, uh, I don't know, measuring humidity, well, maybe there's another thermostat that's better for you. But as Vivek rightly points out, this is a uh, fuller featured device and maybe the price justifies that a bit. Thanks for that awesome analysis, Vivek. That was great. Excellent. Thanks, Vivek. And also thanks to Shannon Morse for being with us this Friday. It's been a long week for you, Shannon. Yes. We always appreciate your expertise. What is next on your agenda? Uh, Well, thank you for that. Um, Well, next week I'm going to go to Germany. I'm going to Gamescom with NVIDIA. So Mm. I'm planning on having a meetup probably on Thursday night. It'll be in Köln, Germany. So if you are there, you will not need a badge because I'll do a meetup at like a pub or something. Uh, Just follow me at snubs on Twitter, S-N-U-B-S for the information on that. Otherwise, if you want to see a whole recap of DEF CON, definitely check out tekthing.com. That's techthing.com for my DEF CON 26 recap. And yes, if you are watching the video, that is me with a unicorn head on <laughs> and, and a beer in my hand because that's the way that's the way the last day of DEF CON always goes. <laughs> and if you're interested in a little bit more information on the technical side of DEF CON, definitely check out ThreatWire over at hack5.org, hak5.org where I go really in-depth about the true process of what happened with those voting machines that got hacked. Folks, it feels good to support things that you like, uh, and we hope we are no exception to that. Patreon.com slash Daily Tech News Show, uh, patreon.com slash DTNS, I should say, uh, is the place to go to feel good. Uh, Not only will you just get the satisfaction of saying, hey, I'm helping make the show happen, but We hope you feel even better about some of the cool stuff that you can get uh, as a member there. So please go check it out right now if you haven't already. And if you have, thank you. Patreon.com slash DTNS. We love your feedback. Our email address is a great way to give us some feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you'd like to join us live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC, put it on your calendar and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back on Monday with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. show 
is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.